0: The following programming is sponsored by Clean and Sober Media. The views expressed do not necessarily reflect the views of this station, its management, or Beasley Media Group.
1: If you need immediate help, please call the National Substance Abuse and Mental Health Hotline at 1-800-662-HELP. La, la, la.
2: Welcome to Clean and Sober Radio, brought to you in part by Jefferson University Hospitals and Thomas Jefferson University, providing excellent clinical and compassionate care in the Philadelphia region, a proven leader in healthcare and education since 1825. And now, here are your hosts,
1: Gary Hendler and Mark Sigmund. Hey, thanks everybody for joining us and welcome to the show. Clean and Sober Radio features real people, With real stories about addiction to drugs and alcohol. Mark, what do you have this week in the recovery news? So we got some
3: interesting news. Um, The owner of a San Jose donut shop has been busted for making and selling pink cocaine out of his shop. A drug mix of ketamine, meth, cocaine, and opioids, Luis Carrillo Mojita Um, owned and operated a donut, a very prominent donut store. I don't want to say the name to throw them under the bus. (laughs) Um, In San Jose, Uh, he was busted. Uh, Basically, he was pushing this stuff, I guess, donuts (laughs) too at the same time. Uh, And it's a pretty big deal out there in San Jose, California right now. So
1: wait a minute. So were these uh, disguised in donuts or, or what?
3: So that information has not been released yet, Gary. Oh, but really? it's a very good question that you have. Maybe it was in the filling or whatever. I mean, people were clearly going in there first thing in the morning and they were ordering the, this stuff, which has actually been nicknamed the Pink Panther.
1: Wow. Yes. Yeah. Isn't
3: that crazy? Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, I
1: hope sure all kidding said, I hope the people that went in there knew what they were biting into
3: I know I know that's a that's a very good question right there Gary yeah. you know
1: yeah it's interesting what else you got uh secondly there's
3: a big rumor going on right now that the Biden administration is working to reschedule marijuana as basically a schedule two. Three or take it completely <clears throat> off the scheduling, and the announcement could come next week according to an inside source at the White House. Wow. You heard it here first on Clean yeah, and Sober this is Radio. the first that
1: everybody in the country is going to hear Besides about it. Besides
3: right? the article that's written on it. You so, know?
1: okay, if it's classified if it's Schedule 3, um, does that mean that penalties for abuse of it will be lessened?
3: I, you know, I am not sure. I do know that that would make it so it would free up dispensaries and everything to get federal money, um, so they'll be able to actually get work with the tax system the whole bit. And you know, interestingly. It's not Congress that has the power to do this. It's not the president, but it's the actual DEA, the Drug Enforcement Administration, that is going to be the ones that reschedule this. Again, the Biden administration is really mum about this, and Congress is kind of up in arms. They're asking for a report on this whole thing right now. Um, but the, again, the announcement could come next week. You heard it first on Clean and Sober Radio.
1: Well, I'll tell you something. But you know, we've talked about this for years now. It's not a good thing. Yeah, well, you know, it's listen to
3: this. Hawaii Governor Josh Green is basically saying that <laughs> the fact that it's on the scheduling at all is total, total. Uh, I won't even say the word. Yeah, yeah. Um, But I don't know. I mean, I'm split on this whole thing, Gary. I mean, I, I definitely don't think it should be a schedule one. I think it's insane. I agree. With and you know,
1: listen, you know, we have a guest today, and we're going to talk with our guest. I have an article I want to get into yeah. about the view. They're shifting on substance abuse, and what does it? What do you have to be to actually be sober? It has changed. You know what I mean? So let's do this. Let's let's take our first break. When we come back, our guest, um, Dr. Jeff F, is with us. An incredible, uh, incredible guy. I've known him for years, and we're going to find out his whole life story and all the accomplishments he's had, even though he was he had a, a nasty addiction. But now he's he's doing fabulous. Stay with us. We'll be right back.
2: This is Clean and Silver Radio.
1: A
0: cancer diagnosis
3: can knock the wind out of you. The Sydney Kimmel Cancer Center at Abington Jefferson Health can help. Our brand new Asplund Cancer Pavilion brings you 86,000 square feet of cancer fighting science for truly comprehensive care.
0: Backed by the strength of an NCI designated cancer center. Call 1 800 Jeff now. The Sydney Kimmel Cancer Center at Abington Jefferson Health. The power to out-science cancer.
2: Hi, this is Dion, the Wanderer. Listen to Clean and Sober Radio. You might hear something that'll change your life. Yo! 888-728-9941. This is Clean and Sober Radio.
1: Clean and Silver Radio, you can uh, hear us, you can watch us, WWDB in Philadelphia, 97.5 FM, High Def 2 in Philadelphia, WGAC in Augusta, Georgia, and WNBR in Tampa, Florida
3: we are spreading around the country and if you are watching right now on Facebook live please share the show we're trying to get the message out there
1: yeah and I just want to make this quick announcement yeah. up front. if you're just listening to us but you want to watch us do the show right now live at three o'clock on Friday live go to Facebook and go to our Facebook page clean and sober radio right now and you can watch us and see all the stuff that's going on in the studio Yes, and also if you – we have a podcast. Subscribe
3: to the podcast. Go into the iTunes store. It's all over the place and you'll get it delivered to your inbox (coughs) weekly.
1: Is that how it works? Yes, it is. Okay, that's great. Um, Our guest today is Dr. Jeffrey F. He is a dentist. He is a medical doctor and we'll get into his specialty but more important than those incredible accomplishments, he's been sober for a very, very long time. Jeff, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks. Welcome. Finally got Pleasure. you here. Finally yeah. got you here.
4: Yeah, last time I was supposed to come, it it, uh, it snowed. It snowed. It was really canceled. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah.
1: So, um, <clears throat> you know, I, I find it amazing, Mark, because I basically I, I'm not uneducated. You know, I did go to I did go to graduate school till they threw me out. <laughs> As so, I know that's yeah. So that means I did graduate from elementary school and college yeah. but I was never really um I, I couldn't really do work, especially when I was stoned. But you know, Dr. Jeff here, uh Jeff, I find it amazing that somebody can have the dedication and the and the brains, obviously, to accomplish all the education that you have. Tell us tell our audience what drove you because not many people have accomplished what you've accomplished. What drove you to to be able to uh, become a dentist and a doctor? And you know, how'd you do it?
4: Well, I tried to uh, I tried to compensate for the fact that uh, my sister was the, the 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 queen student. Both my parents were, were uh, teachers, uh-huh. and that was education was the most important thing to them. And they would always compare me to her and I was, I was, I was young for my, for my age within school and I, I would, I didn't really feel like doing it. And, um, I developed a lot of, uh, you know, insecurity and I I think it was a means of me trying to equate education with love. And so, and so, uh, you know, I kept on going to school and and eventually I, I wasn't stupid, which was good. Yeah. Um, but I, I learned how to do it well. And then I, it sort of was almost like an addiction as well.
1: I, I mean, w- stopped
4: going. W- Jeff, was it also like, hey, I'm going to show you to your family? Sure, sure.
1: You know? Absolutely. And, uh, you know, Mark, I got to tell you something. So, uh, you know, you can't imagine how much, how much reading Jeff had to do to do all this. I didn't and I imagine. was thinking, now I'm just going to speak for myself or maybe for you also. I think that both of us, we, we completed one book by dr seuss is that is that uh, right? well
3: i tended to use the cliff notes or <laughs> yeah. some kind of other way of of figuring out what was written yeah you know i i totally agree with you and it's 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 serious add i mean that's what it is for but both but but us. jeff jeff will tell us i'm not yeah. gonna take put words in his mouth he had an addiction while he was doing this. i mean I mean, I can't imagine. I mean,
4: how many years were you in school to be a dentist and an MD? So I, you know, obviously I graduated high school and then I I graduated college in three years. And then I went to a combined uh, dental medical program at Penn. So I did dental school and med school (laughs) together in six years.
1: And then a residency.
4: And then I did a residency that normally is six years, but because I was a dentist, I only had to do it in, for five years. Only and so five I saved. Years. So I saved myself. Essentially, I saved myself four years.
1: Were you Were you interested in this? I mean, how, how did you How did you train yourself? Every day, you had to really commit.
4: So I was interested. I wanted to be a dentist. That was uh, you know my across the street neighbor was a dentist, and I, I liked him and. I liked working with my hands. I liked science, and I thought, "Oh, that's great!" So, um, I was actually accepted uh, at New York University in a combined uh, dental school with undergraduate. It was supposed to be, it was supposed to be uh, six years, uh, two years of, and, uh, uh, three years of undergraduate and three years of undergraduate and three years of dental school, and then they switched in the middle of my program from a three year dental school to a four year dental school. And so I had a lot of advanced placement credits from high school. So I said, I want to do two years of undergraduate and four years of dental school. And they said, well, we don't know about that. And I had an interview with three people, two of which said, yeah, that's fine. You could do that. And the third person said that I wasn't worldly enough. So what happened? So the, it had to be unanimous. unanimous. So I said to them, OK, fine. So I said to, I said to this woman, um, so I said, so if I go home – And watch TV. uh, I watched cartoons for a year, right? I'm still guaranteed a position at at, at NYU Dental School. And she said, well, yes. I said, well, how would that make me any more worldly? So (laughs) at, at that point, I said, okay, fine. And I applied to Penn. And so I got into Penn. I went to Penn Dental School. So I went three years of undergrad and then Penn Dental School. I've always been curious about this.
3: How many hours a day you think you had to work especially when you were in the combined programs I mean of studying and all I don't that I know it's
4: hard it's real that's really hard to say you know yeah. I was very lucky. I was very fortunate uh, you know I I was I was able to read things once or twice and then I would know them I mean I was just very lucky <laughs> we'd be in trouble I, I was very, I was very lucky uh, you know you weren't, know, you know what it was it was it was things seemed just so intuitive to me it wasn't even a lot of memory as much as mm-hmm. thinking things through
3: fantastic he was one of those guys you know how like like when i read i read and i forget the page it sounds like you're one of those guys it's like photographic
1: memory no, like i don't, don't think
4: should... so but now i can't do, uh, now now that, now that i'm an old guy i can't do it like gotcha so
1: so Joe, your specialty now your specialty has been ear nose and throat Correct.
4: what is the medical term for that because i read it i couldn't pronounce it so that's otolaryngology or otorhinolaryngology depending upon we say it again. Otolaryngology or otorhinolaryngology. Okay,
3: Mark, what did he just say? I, he said, Olo... O, o, <laughs> <laughs> Larry, <laughs> gone. Let
1: me hear I you try. I, is I, good. I mean, A Mark, I can't.
4: I
2: mean, you set me he up said, So, right. yeah. so
4: like, I, used to, I used to joke with some of the patients. Yeah. I said, well, you know, that was our... That was our final exam. Once we could pronounce that, we, we could we could go on. <laughs> so, what kind of family did you did you grow up in, and where did you grow up? So, I grew up in in uh, mostly in Yonkers, New York. Okay, um, and uh, it was a, a conservative Jewish family. Yeah. I had an older sister who, who I've spoken with. Yeah, about and yeah, um, <clears throat> as I said, both my teachers, my parents were teachers. My my mom taught uh, taught fourth and fifth grade. My dad was a high school chemistry teacher did you have any addiction in your family uh, i had an uncle who smoked four packs of cigarettes a day um, my parents uh, my father was a, a compulsive saver and coupon user so in that sense he had an addiction but not not in terms of drugs or alcohol no
3: yeah well and you sometimes see that where it's just the obsessive compulsive aspect of this in families and uh, yeah. You know, hey, certainly four packs of cigarettes a day is – that's a lot, quite
1: a bit. Yeah. Hey, for just joining us now, we're talking to Dr. Jeff F. It's hard to say, Jeff F. Um, a dentist, a medical doctor, but guess what? Even with, even with those brains and all those accomplishments, he had a nasty addiction, and that's what we're talking about now. And he's been sober now for over a quarter of a century. But it just goes to show you that addiction has no boundaries Rich, poor, white, black, green, purple, smart, stupid, uh, overweight, underweight. It can affect anybody. Um, Also, if you're in need of assistance now, treatment, um, please call the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Hotline at 1-800-662-HELP. That's 1-800-662-HELP. It's a very important number to have on your refrigerator, just like you would have poison control on your refrigerator. Uh, in the event that you are in uh, dire need of treatment, and Mark, you have another number that's very nine eight eight that's the suicide
3: hotline. and uh, you know, if you're feeling hopeless, call that number, get out of isolation and And just on a side note, you know one of the the worst times of the year, if not the worst time of the year, is the spring for suicide. So keep an eye on your loved ones. um, believe it or not, people get the energy back. They see everybody looks happy and 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 they don't feel happy and and
1: so Keep an eye on your family members. Very good advice. Also, if you want to get involved with this conversation, give us a call at one 728 9941 That's one 728 9941 And uh, I just want to mention some uh, folks right now that are watching us. Uh, Kevin Heyer, watching on this fine Friday afternoon. Betsy Green, Kenny Willig, uh, Kevin Gleason. Oh, there he is. Make this shareable. I guess oh, that's, that's, that's a Brad area to, to make nah. it shareable. No. no, 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 no. Steve Law, Mike Brill, happy Friday, gentlemen. Saving lives is what we do. Robert Brandis, great seeing you guys in real time. Julie Glick, Sokoloff is watching. Hi, Julie. Um, nice. Kathy Wolf, Ron uh, Manquest, does your family doctor know if you go to rehab? We're going to ask uh, Jeff that question. Does your fa- that's a good question, Linda Carroll, uh, Stephanie DePaul. We'll get to everybody else. We have got a lot of people watching. That's a good question. Does uh, what was the question? Does your family doctor know if you go to rehab? Well, I guess the only way they would know if you tell them
4: is that re- Jeff. Well, they know that I'm, they know that I'm in recovery. <clears throat> they know, I'm in, and yes, they know that I'm in recovery. Yes. Is that what she was asking? She yeah, said if it, I was in rehab, but I'm not in rehab, but I'm in recovery.
3: Well, I, I think what she was asking actually <coughs> is that, that if you decide to go to rehab, is your family doctor going to find out? Right. And right.
4: not and necessarily. To, only if you want them Yeah. To, yeah. Or if you're willing to. Now, why would, you should. should. Would, why would you, you should.
1: Be, yeah, yeah. Absolutely should. Um, good questions and stuff like that. Um, hey, I got we, we got an email. We get emails during the week, Jeff. And uh, here's one. Sandy L from Madison Wisconsin writes to us. I have two kids that are in rehab. It's very expensive. Can I deduct the cost on my tax returns? Well, I'm no accountant. But I think you can. I mean, it's a medical expense. Uh,
4: this is way out of my yeah, I territory. I shouldn't right even here. answer. Jeff, you know, so, I mean, are you understand- an accountant also, Jeff? I am not, but okay. my, uh, my <laughs> understanding is that if your if your medical bills are more than ten percent of of your of your income, then you can deduct. Okay. That's why we have a doctor on the show, Gary. That's right. A doctor, That's my understanding. More, you know. yes.
1: So, so okay, Jeff. So, you get you, you graduate. Where'd you go to undergraduate?
4: New York University.
1: Okay, NYU. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess you did. You get into every dental school you applied to?
4: I don't know. I'm sure you did. I don't know. I'm sure hard, you did. Hard to say.
1: I, I'm in I'm all not, of this. I'm not. Sh- I'm not okay. sure. I'm
4: in all of this. I don't, rec- I don't recall a rejection letter, but, but I don't yeah. – yeah. You know, every
1: letter that I would get would always start it with, we regret to inform you. <laughs> <laughs> That's
3: the worst. Every, every, That's the worst <laughs> when you open that letter and you can just see
1: it right there. <laughs> Boom. Yep. You yep. Know, I'm making myself look like an idiot. I'm uh, actually not. You're making not, both of us but, look like yeah. <laughs> an idiot, Gary. <laughs> That's great. So, okay. So you get into school. You're in
4: medical school. When did you start using – what did you start using? Uh, the first time I got high was actually my sister got me high with, uh, smoked pot. Yeah. Uh, well, actually, that's that's actually not true. Um, <clears throat> I used to love to get drunk during Passover. Okay. Yeah. How old how, how was? was uh, well, um, I think eight or nine is when I oh, really wow. started. Eight I, or nine years. Yeah, yeah and yeah. I can remember my ears feeling hot, and I still can feel. I can yeah, if I think about yes, it. I, yes, I can yeah, still yeah, feel yeah, that. Yeah. But you know, if you're if you're a, a Jewish man. Then you had alcohol when you were eight days old because really? you have your breast, which, which is a ceremonial uh, circumcision. <laughs> they, some, one of the things that they do is they dip uh, gauze into wine and they have you <clears throat> suck on it while they're uh, doing the, the, the deed.
1: All right, look, I'm getting, like, nauseous already. Gary. I mean, I'm just thinking about my legs,
0: Gary. <laughs> uh, my, as an addiction
3: counselor, my head's going all over the place. Like, would you see, like, a different reaction with that baby? You know what I mean? Or are they going to be, like, trying to slurp it more? And, you know? and They like it. Yeah, they like Generally yeah. They do
4: in they my like limited experience. Yeah. So it was alcohol and then uh, so pot? Alcohol and then pot and yeah. then, uh, you know, I, I'll tell you, because I had to go through so much school, I think that kind of saved me. Because I did, I was dedicated to going to, to school. So although I would, you know, I'd go into the dorms, uh, you know, at NYU and smoke some pot with people. And then every Wednesday we'd go to the bar and we'd drink. I lived at home when I went to school. And so, uh, you know, it kept kept things at bay. And mm-hmm. you knew your limits, I'm assuming,
1: that you knew not to get high before exams and...
4: Or, yeah, or... I, I, I really didn't, do, I didn't do that. I was fortunate, that's I said, I was fortunate, I... I made my education my priority. You liked that nitrous oxide, didn't you? Well, that was when we went to dental school. Oh, that, God. that was another access. story. What was that like? So, you had total access, right? So the way it works is when you, nitrous oxide is is in a, uh, a a combination of liquid and gas when it's in a when it's in a, a tank. And as soon as you start to see the needle go down, meaning the pressure's going down, it means there's no more liquid. It's all gas. So you have to then you change the tank out because you don't want to run out of gas in the middle of your procedure. So then they'd put the empty, quote, empty tanks, uh, you know, store them. And then a good friend of mine, also named Jeff, we'd we'd go and we'd steal the, well, we'd borrow the tanks. We didn't steal them because we did return them. But when we returned them, they were completely empty. Oh, my gosh. Would you
1: have like...
3: All the kids in the neighborhood doing no, no, it. We were, we were selfish. It was just yeah. me,
1: and, me and my friend Jeff. Did you ever do nitrous
3: oxide? Uh, I sure did. Yeah. And, and I tell you, I have a sort of a scary story. My, one of my friends' father was a dentist and he went down and he got into his nitrous oxide and somehow he didn't do the right formulation and he fell asleep on the chair and some, he came really close to dying. You know, because um, – but nitrous, a lot of people pass out and they hit their head I and know. and uh, it can be pretty nasty. You know, it can be be pretty nasty. You see it at concerts all the time. You'll hear the the whippets. <clears throat> call them whippets. I you mean, know what I mean? I Did you do them? Did you? Sure.
4: So that you know why they're whippets, right? Because – you use them to make whipped cream. Yeah, I used and to get can, into that. You could go into a supermarket and I shouldn't tell this. I know. My mom used to always be like, why is the whipped cream? the whipped cream up. And
1: stuff yeah, of and course. I we've just- all done that. <clears throat> why is the whipped cream broken was all my mom used to say. <laughs> you know. So, okay. So, you're – you know, it's amazing. The work that you – the workload that you had must have been for a normal person incredible. You're getting high.
4: So, did it start right when you started in dental school and it just – Kept going. Well, I was doing cocaine and, and nitrous oxide when I was in dental school. I had a good friend of mine, may he rest in peace, who uh, his cousin had access to the best cocaine, oh. and, and he uh, turned me on to the, to the cocaine. And then, you know, he taught me to steal those those tanks. He was a good good dude.
1: See, here's an example of you know, a, <clears throat> a sort of a you know, a very educated bad kid, not a bad kid, but a, a wild kid. But you know, once we go through all the wildness and then you live a life of pretty productive, you know? Yeah,
3: and I, I yeah, and I'm just curious, like when you first started, you know, did did you sort of know you were in trouble right away? Like were you like well, I like this stuff too much from the beginning
4: or Oh, I don't I I know I really liked it, but I you know, I think the thing was it was I, it was limited. At least the cocaine was limited in terms of my ability to get it, or so I thought. And so so was my money. So, uh, you know, that was just sort of, uh, you know, it was fun as opposed to, you know.
1: Jeff, did you ever think if I get caught, I am going to lose
4: so much? uh, Or that didn't. By the time I was really into my addiction, I didn't really think about it. I didn't care. Didn't matter.
1: Did anybody ever say anything to you? Any professor or any
4: uh,
1: person in your class? Hey, man, you know.
4: No, yeah, I was I was very secretive. I, I, I hid it all from 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 from, from family, fa- friends. A lot of people didn't. They had no idea.
1: I bet anybody listening or watching right now, we were great snakes, great the best snakes, great thieves, And the best liars, snakes, liars, cheats, yeah, um, whatever it took.
4: Whatever it took to get our stuff.
3: Did you feel guilty like I'm hiding this stuff or
4: did you kind of – It was actually understand? exciting. It was exciting. It was dad. exciting and uh, it was uh, – I was also in, very much into ritual. So that's oh, where okay. coke was very uh, – There's a lot of ritual to it. Mm-hmm. And I think I have – probably have a little ADD and that's why I like that ritual stuff. Yeah. I don't know. An OCD. An OCD. Yeah. Yeah. All
1: right. We'll be right back. We're going to continue talking with Dr. Jeff F. Dennis, Dr. – I don't know what else he is, but he's pretty pretty cool. Uh, and we're going to continue this conversation when we get back.
2: This is Clean and Silver Radio.
5: When you look into the mirror, is your addiction staring back at you? Too many times, that answer is yes. At Gaudenzia, we see you differently. We see you as a whole person, healthy and at peace, living beyond the stranglehold of drugs or alcohol. At Gordensia, we see a pathway with tools you can use to lead you to recovering the life you want to live, recovering the life you want to share with the family who loves you. At Gordensia, we see hope and believe with the effective treatment we can offer, designed uniquely for you, within reach of where you are standing, you'll look into the mirror and see the potential for the fulfilling life that is in you this time. You'll find your hope at Gaudenzia. It's spelled G-A-U-D-E-N-Z-I-A. Call 833-976-4357. Again, it's 833-976-4357. Begin to recover your life through treatment at Gaudenzia today. Begin today.
2: Hey man, this is Ricky Bird, former member of Joan Jett and the Blackheart, an inductee to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame as of 2015. And I listen to Clean and Sober Radio, and so do my friends
0: here, right? 888 728
2: 9941. This is Clean and Sober Radio.
1: Hey, give us a call 1 888 728 9941. Jump into this conversation. Or if you just want some medical advice, you can talk to Dr. Jeff. And my wife might free. need to call. Your wife might want yes. to call. Listen, I was reading this article. It is from the New York Times last week. And and Mark and Jeff, there seems to be a shift. I don't know how long this has been going on, on actually what does it mean to be clean and sober. It seems like it's not what we were taught or what we knew coming up in the last 20, 30, or 40 mm-hmm. years. Um, it's, it's, uh, it's interesting. Let me just read a, a bit from it because w- the gist of this is what we thought was sober, means, meaning total abstinence, is not that in a lot of places now. So, okay, here's an example of this. Um, I can give you his name. Uh, Mr. Reed, 43, began smoking marijuana. More recently, he went to a clinic for infusions of ketamine and tried tiny doses of psychoactive mushrooms, magic mushrooms, psilocybin. Mr. Reed said those substances improved his mood, and he still regards himself as sober because he remains Mm, alcohol-free. I think that's a crock of...
3: Slippery slope. Right. You know, I mean, I mean, that would be more of what we would call harm reduction in other words is this guy able to do this and 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 not drink but we you know again it's a personal thing whether he's sober or not right <laughs> yeah that, that who cares yeah but, right but right. it'd be a harm reduction i wouldn't knock it if this guy didn't return to alcohol use unfortunately i see at the level of treatment a lot of times i see this all the time where, where somebody starts getting you know doing other stuff and eventually it gets
1: them yeah i mean what he know? does that's on his dime. Yeah. But he could be in a meeting and he gets some newcomers in there and he's talking about he's sober because he doesn't drink. But he's still, I guess, well, who knows, Perkadan, whatever he's using. It's uh, – it, it you know what? Everything seems to be – the bar seems to be getting lower and lower and lower in everything. Mm.
3: And it's interesting that you hear this California sober. And California Smoking sober. pot and not drinking. And, right. You know – it's definitely a slippery slope. I have known people that have been have not returned to drinking, so it's 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 that harm reduction thing, you know, with it. But and if people aren't familiar with harm reduction, it's like we're trying to limit the consequences. Alcohol being much more destructive than marijuana, um, you know, on
1: the body. You know. you know, it reminds me of uh, when we were coming up. We, you know, Jeff, me, and you. We, we've all been around for decades. The idea of a, a slip. That wasn't that wasn't like part of the deal I know it's a disease I believe it's a disease but now it seems like yeah I went out I'm back hey you're back it's great um, am I being uh, old like an old man talking like this or what well it's things
3: have changed um, you know you see that where a lot of times what really scares somebody from coming back is shame and guilt, and so sometimes by kind of lowering the bar a little bit like there was a slip or whatever, somebody's more likely to actually reach out again because in the past, when it was like really strong like uh, you know shame and things like that, you had a lot of people just run and
1: disappear okay, so it, that's the other side of it, it. you yeah. know jeff you were were you in like uh regular practice when you first started all this? No specialty is what I'm trying to say
4: no. Yeah. I, I, I went directly into my specialty.
1: I guess you had nobody coming to you, ear, nose, and throat, asking, trying to get uh, narcotics from you.
4: Sure, there people they, who would try to do that. They would know, still try to do it? Because I'm a surgeon, so when they post-operatively. They're in pain people, and pain and pain. Yeah. You
1: know. And, and, and sure. so, so what was it like knowing you're using and somebody comes to you? Did you what was that I feeling? I was
4: actually angry at them. Interestingly, were you really? Why? Because it's I don't, I don't know. I, I, they were, I, I felt they were trying to pull something over on me. And so um, usually I could tell. Right. I mean, so, I, you know, it takes yeah. one to know. one. Yeah. You uh, can't, so, so, you can't so, con a con. So, yeah, exactly. Um, <clears throat> yeah. But there was one instance that I remember where uh, it was just the just the perfect uh, sort of uh, perfect storm. Where this per- I had a particularly difficult surgery and this person was in pain and uh, and I thought they should be in pain b- based on the difficulty of the surgery. And it turned out that their – I think it was their brother or their sister actually called and said, oh, yeah, he really needs more and they ended up stealing it from him. And it wasn't that at all. <laughs> oh. So I really was – I was pissed.
1: Yeah. I, yeah. I can imagine. <laughs> how dare you, yeah. right? Yeah. How, d- how
4: dare you do that? Yeah, yeah right, right.
3: And I, you know, I'm I'm always <clears throat> curious. Do they do they actually use cocaine for nose surgery? Because I know Absolute, you e-
4: absolutely really.
3: Because I woke up during surgery on my they, nose. They, and I thought I saw a They do.
4: A they do. And um, that's interesting because I did actually. I was able to get, on a very limited basis, pure is cocaine. Is that liquid? Uh, well, so it is liquid in in most places. But I worked at the Alaska Native Medical Center during my. Second second year of residency, and it was like a VA hospital. Mm-hmm. And they'd actually give you a vial which had p- powdered cocaine in it, and then we would mix it up as to how the strength that we wanted. Did so you, it was powder. Did your patients ever see it? Uh, <laughs> no, they, they didn't. But you know, it's interesting because uh, this is terrible, but. This is what we did. This is what we're talking about. I had this vial, and I put it in, you know, like the used meds, right? Yeah. And then I went back, like the 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 night that night, Mm -hmm. and all the water had evaporated. I scraped out the the cocaine Mm -hmm. that was the residual cocaine, snorted that line. Well, uh, you know, ophthalmologists.
1: Used to use my uncle was an ophthalmologist yeah, to exactly. numb the retina or something,
4: yeah. So it's the only drug known to that is a, both a vasoconstrictor and an anesthetic. So it was particularly useful because it, it limits bleeding and it also is an anesthetic. That's why we use it in nasal surgery, although we're using it a lot less now. We tend to use afrin instead. Af- really, yeah, that doesn't get you high though. No. Yeah, you mix Afrin with lidocaine. So you oh, have, with lidocaine, a little the, okay. two, the two drugs, one for basal constriction and one for Well, anesthetic. so interesting.
1: So, yeah. uh, Sarah T. from Hickory, North Carolina. My son was released from rehab a month ago. He goes to AA meetings nonstop. Is this healthy or just another addiction?
3: So, uh, you know, I'm not going to knock it. You know, you get some people that just need to do it nonstop in the beginning. Yeah. Um, now, eventually I've seen people, you know, where they burn out and you got to look at things like sometimes is there some bipolar going on and things like that. But I've had a lot of people that really had to do it hard in the beginning to stay clean. So you've really got to look at the situation, talk to the person, really figure out what's going on. Um, because we always look for balance and recovery, but sometimes somebody's just been using all the time, and they're like, "Man, I just got to go from meeting to meeting right now to get some time under my belt." And is there
1: is there a time not a limit, but if somebody's doing this for the first six months, I get, but three years later they're not working. That they're going mm. to meetings all day long. That
3: could be a problem. And, and, you know, and even early on, what I worry about, there's something we call the wall in recovery where somebody will come in and, and they're, they're in a pink cloud and the wall is somewhere between like 50 and something days and they'll hit that time when all of a sudden it gets harder. And they burn out. They've been doing all this stuff, and and sometimes go back out. So then again, if they're hypomanic, bipolar, and they're manic, and they're just so into it, I'm. It, it brings up red flags for me as an addictions counselor.
4: Right. I, I would want to know, you know, how 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 soon F, that they came out of rehab, because you know we say ninety meetings in ninety yeah. days. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So great point. Yeah. You, you know, never lost so, your license, did you? No, and I was very fortunate because when I crashed and burned in my hospital. Um, my first sponsor, who was part of, helped the administration, and basically I was reported to the Pennsylvania Medical Society, oh. uh, where they have a they have a program um, where they help um, physicians, yeah. um, you know, compromised physicians, and they monitor. I mean, I was dry, I was giving urines and all of that, but yeah. I never got reported to the to the board. When you go to the, get port, reported to the board, it's much more stringent and uh, you're more likely to lose your license there. So, no, I never lost my license. Good.
1: good. That was a question by one of our uh, viewers. Um,
3: yeah, my, my wife's asking about vestibular neuritis. But I wanted to ask you one quick question before we you know, go there. And that is, can you tell us what it was like to get, you know – all of a sudden, like what, what happened or is that kind of off, you know, what happened where all of a sudden you had trouble at the hospital?
4: Oh, so I, so, you know, I was doing cocaine on a regular basis, oftentimes between surgeries and things of that sort. But then I, uh, one day I was in the, I was in the short procedure and I was just looking over and I saw the anesthesiologist turn on the anesthesia machine and nice, and you know, you get, it automatically feeds cocaine. I mean, automatically feeds the nitrous oxide. So, you know, I said, "Oh wow!" So now I have now. <laughs> oh wow! <laughs> on the weekends, right when there's when when there is no surgery in the short in the short procedure unit, I could still go into the short procedure unit, and I went into the OR and watched. I know how to, I knew how to turn on the machine. So basically, I was getting unlimited free oh. nitrous oxide.
3: Oh my god! And that's, that's
4: why that's how I crashed and burned because basically. I was on call, and uh, I was so high I didn't respond to most of my calls. My wife called me. She said, "Where are you?" And I said, "I don't know." She oh. called my partner. She said, "Have him go to the emergency room and have him check check him for drugs." Oh, so wow. my wife actually helped. Uh, yeah, helped me crash and burn. Thanks, honey. Yeah,
0: is actually, she, she saved now? my life. Is I Lynn, hope she is. Hi, is, Lynn. Hi, Lynn.
4: I hope she's listening. Yeah. yeah. If not, she'll hear. She'll hear the year. You have any other family
1: members listening?
4: Uh, I don't know. My daughter probably. That's nice. Nice. Um, so maybe my wife
3: could call. And, well, I know, and, and like you yeah. said,
4: I know that my uh, my my uh, sister in law is is listening. I don't know if my brother in law is, but probably, he he probably, better be. If not, I'll let him listen afterwards. Yeah, and charge him to listen to the tape.
1: Absolutely, that's what we'll for do sure. to him. That's what we'll do to him. Um, Barry G. from Detroit, Michigan. Uh, in states where mar- medical marijuana is legal, is there a problem at work if you are drug tested and hot, but you do have a marijuana card? What do you think of that?
3: Well, it hasn't caught caught up. Cause, for instance, DOT, Department of Transportation. Yeah, yeah. You get nailed on a test and you come up positive for THC. You're in big trouble with DOT. You know, so a lot of employers do not um, say that you're OK because you have a card because you're considered impaired at work. Um, so DOT, cl- uh, especially truck drivers and you yeah, know, they
4: don't like to... that in the hospitals either.
1: That, yeah. They don't like... yeah. But are, but so if you have a medical card mm-hmm. and, and you you're using the stuff and it's legal. OK, well, I, I you know, I just answered my own question. Alcohol is legal. And uh, you can be drunk in, at work. Well, and the, the thing is, the pot
3: stays in your system. So people, I get people as an addictions counselor that get nailed all the time, and they're actually not high at work. They have it in their system, and they right. get caught on a drug test.
1: Right? If you okay. used uh, eighteen days ago, you're yes, still got. It. You're
3: still going to get jammed up, especially DOT, Department of Transportation workers. You know. And your license for I
1: think first is a year, isn't it? Six months at least. Well,
3: uh, it's there's a lot of different or, things. Or they put
1: the uh, intoxilock in in the car.
3: Everything's what? lower for you know in terms of like if somebody blows a point. I think it's a point. I forget what the cutoff is for alcohol. Is it, alcohol, eight? Is it eight point or? 0.2 or point four? It's lower for somebody <laughs> that has their what's considered a CDL, and that's like basically. Uh, a truck, truck driver's driver. yeah. things like that. It's a lot lower. I'm not sure what the the THC is zero. You're not allowed to have any THC in your system. It's zero tolerance. Oh, really? Yes, it can't be. Uh, their cutoffs fifteen nanograms for DOT, which is such a small amount. In other words, they won't catch somebody if they're at five nanograms. You know, um, but fifteen nanograms
1: is tiny. So I never, I can say I never got pulled over, and being and drunk. Or anything. you
4: are a lucky and We guy. would say yet yes never never yet
3: well I gotta tell you so well, had the FBI at his door but you know yeah right
1: oh, well that's another uh, so yeah
3: you never had a DUI but if you hear this guy's story uh,
4: <laughs> Crazy. So I, have this, I have this woman in yeah. my uh, in my home group that has tattooed on her hand yet really I'll remind her that yeah she, she's just one drink away from whatever <sighs> And that's true.
1: You can never say it, never cuz I've seen I had a sponsor who was a big deal in AA statewide and after 20 some years he went out. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, you see it. We saw a lot of that during COVID. You know, we saw a lot yeah. of, of that yeah. during COVID of people with long-term sobriety going out, you know. So, but Yeah. Yeah, I mean it's it's cuz the meetings closed up sure. and everything like that, but uh, you know, I wanna, wanted to ask you, so when everything hit the fan, you know, and at that point where you're just like, I'm done with this stuff, I mean. Once, or, I'm,
1: or I'm royally screwed.
3: Or royally. Yeah.
4: What, when COVID hit?
3: No, 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 when you got caught with the nitrous.
4: Oh, so, you know, it's interesting. So I actually had, I, I knew they had taken a urine and they were going to look at it. They weren't going to see the nitrous because that's, doesn't, yeah. that's not in your urine, but they would see the cocaine. I sort of had a relief.
3: Really? That you were caught?
4: I, yeah, I had a relief that I was caught. Because Interesting. I couldn't, uh, I, I couldn't stop. Wow. I just couldn't stop. And I thought, well, maybe I have an opportunity to get some help. So I actually, I, I was apprehensive and I was unhappy. But at the same time, in the back of my mind, I thought, oh, good. Wow.
1: If you're just joining us now, we're talking to uh, <coughs> Dr. Jeff and uh, uh, physician, uh had a uh, you know had a nasty addiction went through it uh, and he is here to tell his story uh, and is in long-term recovery which is you know it helps a lot of people know even even if you totally screwed up uh, and you're still alive uh, you can get help and get better although we always say there's no drive-throughs for recovery and there's no um, delivery services. But there's plenty of resources out there. one of our resources is Gaudenzia, um, which is one of the largest on the East Coast um, rehab, longest running rehab. And they do a great job. Gordensia.com. Check them out.
3: Yeah, it's great, great treatment, you know, and there's a lot of treatment out there, you know. And uh, did you have to end up going to treatment?
4: I did. I went to Talbot Recovery Center in nice. Atlanta, which was the, saved my life. Oh, is that
1: where they take all the doctors and stuff?
4: Yeah, we had doctors and we had uh, lawyers and dentists. We had group, separate groups of doctors, lawyers, dentists, uh, professional sports players, bankers, and then we had what we call ordinary people.
1: Okay, so here's my here's my beef with that. Okay, yes. <clears throat> it seems to be exclusive uh, when I hear that you know there's physician meetings and lawyers meetings. I don't. I've never heard of pipe fitters meetings. Um, truck drivers meetings, maybe there are, uh, garbage collectors. Um, why do certain, uh, why do certain industries have to have their own meetings? Now, this is what I was told from an attorney. Well, we have issues we want to talk about that uh, maybe shouldn't get out there. That sounds well, so like a I don't, bunch. I don't,
4: I don't go. I don't go. For well, so that. tell me why so there's for me. Yeah. The, the for me the and the reason that this rehab was so powerful. Yeah. Is because. Generally speaking, if you're a surgeon, you think you're something special. Yeah. You think you're better than everybody else. Yeah. And so now if you're in a bunch of – if you're in a group with a bunch of people that are just as good as you, right. you, you can't say, oh, well, I'm different. I'm special. Okay. No, All right. So I, I think that's okay. – for me, that's, right. that's where it's a powerful thing. We could have opened up a, a veterinary hospital and a regular hospital with the number of people that were in there. But you now go to meetings. Oh, yeah.
1: General meetings with – yeah, we, absolutely.
4: You still go to meetings, right? I still I go to meetings at least at least four or five times a week. Yeah, wow,
1: that's
3: awesome.
4: I, yeah, I, I, well, that's because I had uh, you know I wasn't emotionally sober. I stopped going to meetings, thinking, "Oh, I got this," mm-hmm. and then I was uh, distraught and unhappy, and uh, I even had suicidal ideation. I crashed and burned. Went to a, to my own hospital a psych, psych ward. Was that uh, that was a couple yeah. years ago? And then I said, I got to go back to meetings. I need some humility. When you went, and that to your... was the best thing that happened, Jeff. When you went to your own
1: hospital, was that difficult?
4: Well, nobody really knew because you know the psych units sort of uh, yeah okay separate. okay okay. So if they didn't, if they knew, they didn't tell me. Right, but, you know yeah. they, have, they would have to be violating HIPAA violations and getting got that. it.
1: Our number here is one eight 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 seven two eight nine nine four one. There's a lot of chickens out there. They're not calling in today. You know that? I know,
3: I know. But I mean, it, it never is... makes it better when we call them chickens. Then they're like, I'm not going to call. No,
1: them. I thought that would in, that that would you know uh, get them, them
3: kind of going. Yeah. You know? It would be
1: an incentive.
3: Incentive to yeah. to to show us <coughs> that
1: we're not yes. that we're not
3: whatever we're not, right? I, I guess so, you know. But you know, interestingly, you know, Doc, when you're talking about that kind of that emotional sobriety. I mean, it's amazing that, like if we're not connected on a daily basis and we're not living spiritually, how much our heads can get us. You know, did it take a, a little while of not going to meetings? How long do you think it took oh, it took got, several
4: years several that, years. Several years, and a was a slow and gradual uh, worsening. worsening
1: <laughs> right, right a to to take a quick break When uh, when we come back, we a have a caller on the line and uh curious to to what this uh, person has to say we'll be right back
2: this is Clean and Sober Radio
0: diversity in the workplace is more than gender ethnicity and even age it also means people in recovery the higher calling foundation works to end the stigma of substance use disorders in the workplace by helping those in recovery find jobs get career counseling and more all things insurance doesn't cover and all at no cost and encouraging businesses to hire employees in recovery because with the great resignation there are jobs Jobs to be filled, and employees in recovery are an untapped demographic. It's mutually beneficial and it's simply good business. Started by employment attorney in recovery Kevin Heyer, the Higher Calling Foundation believes everyone deserves a second chance and works to make that happen. And now, diversity in the workplace demands it. Visit hirecalling.org. That's H Y E R calling.org. And find out how we can help you.
5: When you look into the mirror, do you see your addiction to drugs or alcohol staring back at you? At goldenia in that mirror, we see you healthy and at peace. At Gordensia, we see the tools you can use to recover the life you want to live. Hope is in the effective treatment we can offer, designed uniquely for you. Your hope is waiting at Gaudenzia. Call 833-976-4357. 833-976-4357. Through Gaudenzia, you can recover your life. Begin today.
2: What's happening? Brandon Novak here from those movies, Jack's or author of that addiction memoir, Dream Seller. Do me a favor and tune into Clean and Sober Radio with Gary Hendler. 888-728-9941. This is Clean and Sober Radio.
1: Hey, we are back and uh, having a great show here. I just want to shout out. We got, you know, Joel Cooper's watching. Nancy Minnick says, great show, interesting show. And uh, Holly Herman is watching. And Brian Pontecorvo. I know I got it right then. Okay, we're on here with Dr. Jeff. And uh, we have a caller on the line. Caller, welcome to Clean and Sober Radio.
2: Hey uh, Gary, yeah, Mike. Mike. Hey ma- Mark, 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 your favorite chicken's here. <laughs> <laughs>
1: hey, chicken. Hey, yeah. you see that, Mark? You see we we gave him yeah. an, we gave him incentive to call us. Okay? Yes, we did. I, the chicken, it worked. Mike, how are yeah. you?
2: How I, I I'm sitting here setting up for my gig tonight, uh, and uh, I took the double dog dare from Gary, and I couldn't uh, couldn't hide behind my feathers, so yeah. I wanted to give a call and. Thank you guys once again, always for what you uh do the miracle workers and uh Dr. Jeff, thanks for being on there and and being a professional that's a face and voice of recovery. You know we need all kinds of types of human beings and citizens to step up and say you know that we're're we're, we're facing voices of recovery and it's just there's twenty three million people living in long term sobriety and uh if if every face and voice came out at one time. You know, we would change the advocacy, we would change the, uh, the rules and laws, uh, of, of, of treatment and allocation of treatment and <laughs> medical, you know, we call, we use terminology like it's a disease. And, uh, for every other disease, there's one year, five year follow ups and different things that occur for cancers and things like that. And, and I think we need to, we could put that into practice, but, uh, I wanted to reach out to you. Uh, you know, I have this um, this this face and voice of mine, I, you know, as a counselor and a face and voice of recovery, as a college professor at the master's level. I, I have had to teach harm reduction, and it's kind of a tongue in cheek kind of process for me because there's so many different um, there's so, so many <coughs> different levels of knowledge that goes into this but i'm a realist so i like to say that out loud to remind myself to grab on to what's real and what i've noticed is in the advocacy movement uh, of laws being changed and people going on the front lines of government uh doors knocking on doors and at the local state and federal level you know empathetically speaking it's people that have lost loved ones and it's part of their a part of their grief and loss they've gone out and they're making the changes that are coming down and And this policy of harm reduction, and please don't take this as a negative connotation, it's a very, very desperate decision and policy that's among us in our society. And it is different than 20 20 years ago, 30 years ago, 40 years ago. It it doesn't mesh with hardcore recovery, but it's a very desperate uh, policy and decision to make people to preserve life. To, to just preserve life. Good point. And you know, and 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 we can't take that away. You know, loved ones that lose loved ones as part of their healing and their grief and loss. They're the ones out there in the, in these nonprofit um, organizations handing out you know g- you know snack bags and and cell phones and trying to get people into treatment and going to government officials. But it's a it's a very very desperate policy that meets the person where they're at. And, you know, I think we what we need, the discussion needs to be is, you know, where does the desperation come in the addict and alcoholic? That is the pivotal internal characteristic trait that brings you forth. I heard one of my clients say 10 years ago that he never wants to lose his gift of desperation. And I said, whoa, 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 what do you mean by that? He goes, desperation brought me into treatment. And with every step I take in treatment and recovery, I want to be desperate to grab on to new things and learn new ways to live. And I think that's one of the most powerful things.
1: That's a real open mind. Hey, Michael, we got to roll. Um, We're coming to the end of the show. As usual, thank you so much for the support that you always give us. Have a great weekend, buddy. Yeah, see you, Mike. Have a great
2: weekend, gentlemen. Take care. To you and yours, blessings.
1: Thank you. You too. See you,
2: Mike.
1: Bye-bye. Great caller. Hey, we have another call on the line. Caller, welcome to Clean and Sober Radio. Can you hear me, David? Of course we can. He sure you sure can.
2: You yeah, had a terrific guest, but I want to say one thing. Yeah. I may have another usage in my future, but I don't know about another recovery.
1: Yeah, well, it's, that's that a, sums it up. It's right good there. to be a little scared, David. I get, <clears throat> I get it. You know. And you've okay, been and you you've know? been sober for forty-two
4: years. Be forty three in May.
1: Wow! And, May,
4: and May I'll what? tell you, li- listening, yeah. listening, to your program, Gary, strengthens my sobriety. Thank you so for that. Thank you,
1: David. Thank you, and and again, also, we thank you, Mark, and I. Thank you for all the support you give us, and when you come on, you uh, you you really add to the show. Thanks, David. Thank you. All right. Be well. Love, yous. Love you. Too. Love you too. Bye. 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 Okay. Okay. Uh, Jeff, thanks for coming on the show. Really appreciate it. My pleasure. You're awesome. You'll come back if we want you? Absolutely. Great. Great, great, great. Okay. Remember, if you or a loved one is struggling with addiction, help is available. Please call 1-800-662-HELP to get clean and sober. Uh, On your local radio station, no matter where you are, go to our website, cleanandsoberbroadcasting.com, and let us know what city you are in, and we'll try to get our show syndicated into into your area. For Clean and Sober Radio, I'm Gary Hendler. I'm Mark Sigmund. Thanks for joining us, and thank you for all the support that you guys give us. Have a great weekend.
2: On
3: behalf of the group and ourselves, I hope we pass the audition. <laughs>
2: Cures. Saving children. Learn more at stjude.org. Listen to us online at www.dbam.com or on the WWDBAM Talk 860 app.